You never forsake those who boast of your mercy. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I knew, I knew that there would be trouble the minute I saw the article in the New Yorker earlier this summer. The inflammatory title asked, how racist was Flannery O'Connor? It turns out that this daughter of the South, eccentric author, faithful Roman Catholic, who used the sin of racism in America to write amazing stories of grace and anti-racism. Well, it turns out she had a complicated relationship with race in her own thoughts and life. She wrestled with these questions, the racism in her own soul and country, the surprising mercy of God's grace. She wrestled with those questions her whole life. But there's no doubt that she wrote and said some pretty racist things. A hullabaloo ensued. Twitter erupted. An article in Commonweal reveals that more than one student who had never before heard of Ms. O'Connor nor read her complicated stories declared, Flannery O'Connor is dead to me. Within a month of the publication of the New Yorker article, the author's name had been removed from one of the dormitories at Loyola University, Maryland. Flannery O'Connor had been canceled. We've been hearing a lot about cancel culture lately. For years, it's been a topic on college campuses. There have been high profile cases of students and administrations literally canceling speakers with strong, even objectionable positions. Cancel has been seen as necessary among progressives as a way to make clear that certain ideas and opinions are so dangerous, so harmful, that anyone espousing them ought to be canceled, removed from circulation. Most of us not living on a campus have been unaffected by this debate, but the Republican National Convention centered it as a topic, as something to fear from li liberals who will cancel you if you veer from the approved platform. Now, I confess I found that rich coming from the party whose leader said this about Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players who protest police brutality by kneeling during the anthem. He said, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when someone dis disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a gun off the field right now, out, he's fired. For some, protesters ought to be canceled. Canceling those who step outside the lines with whom we disagree, troublemakers, well, it seems to be a bipartisan sport. And of course, it's a very human inclination. After all, there's got to be a way to limit the damage caused by people who will not abide by our rules, who pose harm to our community. Luckily, Jesus provides a very humane, even loving way of doing so in the church. 
If a member of the church sins against you, speak privately to that person. In other words, stay in relationship. Don't embarrass them. Risk being hurt by them again. And if that person won't listen, well, try again, this time with one or two other members of the church. Still, stay in relationship. Don't accuse them publicly. Don't shame or embarrass them. But if the member still refuses to listen, then take it to the whole church and allow the community to show this person what is right and what is wrong. If even then the member refuses to listen, we'll let that member be to you, to us, like a Gentile, a tax collector, a sinner. This is a reasonable, patient, kind, even a godly way to deal with troublemakers. You do everything in your power individually, communally, to maintain relationship, preserve the community, and help the erring member to repent, change his or her ways, return to what is good. Only when that person refuses to change, insists on sinning, do you resort to casting them out, to canceling them. It's much more humane than issuing death threats against someone on Twitter or berating someone while they're eating at a restaurant with family or calling on people to boycott someone's place of business. All things that happen in current cancel culture. Yes, Jesus's way seems much more humane, much kinder, even reasonable until you consider that one day you might get cast out. You might get canceled. Certainly we know of churches that use this exact process to cast out people because they're gay or because they're getting a divorce or because they disagree with some church doctrine. And then all of this starts to sound overwhelmingly serious when Jesus follows his advice with how to deal with troublemakers by saying that what we bind here will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do any of us want to be given that kind of power or responsibility? I certainly don't trust my sinful, petty heart to accurately bind and loose for all eternity. Suddenly, this seemingly reasonable, even humane way of dealing with troublemakers is, well, very troubling. And when we get to that place, to realizing that we might get canceled, that we don't trust ourselves or really any other humans to bind or loose for all of eternity, well, that's when we get the joke. This common sense plan for dealing with troublemakers who we cannot make conform to our wills and desires, who are too stiff-necked to ask for forgiveness, too stubborn to change. Well, that plan is centered in a sea of stories and parables and injunctions about forgiveness and mercy. It's preceded with how to be humble as a child and how to go after the one lost sheep. It's followed by Jesus telling Peter that if another member of the church sins against him, he ought to forgive not seven times, 
but 77 times. And when Jesus says that the member who wronged you and refuses to listen to you in the community is to be treated as a Gentile or tax collector, we'd do well to remember how Jesus treats them. He loves them. He loves them. He listens to them. He eats with them and their children. He shares the gospel with them. He even makes them his disciples. After all, Matthew, author of this gospel, was a tax collector. This was so much a feature of Jesus's ministry that he was denounced by other religious leaders as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It turns out Jesus isn't giving us a better or more humane way to cancel anybody, not even the most troublesome of troublemakers. After all, as Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, we owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. We owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. It's a tall order. Clearly, we humans with our crooked hearts would rather cancel those who cause trouble, make us uncomfortable or angry, who refuse to live by our rules or agree with our positions. And then we remember just how many people might just love to get rid of us. And so we worry about what we say we feel anxiety about what others think. We regulate our behavior, maybe even our thoughts, so we won't be cast out, working harder and harder to learn the new rules so that we might live by them. But here, here is the good news in a time of cancel culture, which is always. Here's the good news in a time of political division and tests of purity and loyalty when stepping out of line just might invite exile. The good news is that we need not trust in our own righteousness. We need not rely on our own strength. Rather, we can boast of the mercy of God who will never cast us out. For Christ has already been canceled on a cross for our sins. And because of that, we, you, me, can never, ever be canceled. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.